Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. I am going to introduce you today to a pigeon, an architect, one of the most amazing advertising jobs of all time, and a baby. And at the very end, I'm going to try and link them all together, and I'm either going to give you a challenge or an invitation, okay? So first off, a pigeon, okay? Known as the rats of the sky. But I want to talk about one pigeon, a pigeon named Cher Ami, okay? October 1918, World War I battle. There's a massive British battalion trapped between Germans on one end and their own artillery. The battalion loses 300 of their men, and there's only 194 left, okay? They're getting killed by their own artillery. Their own guns are killing them. So the commander sends a runner to tell them to stop shooting, and he gets killed by the Germans. He sends another runner, and he gets killed. He sends his first pigeon into the air. Germans are trained snipers, shoot the pigeon. Second pigeon shot, and then enters Cherami, okay? The third pigeon, it has a little message around its leg that it's a homing pigeon, and it says to them, stop shooting at us, you're killing your own men. It rises into the air, and it gets shot, and it falls, and then it rises back up. It delivers the message, okay? When it arrives, it's blind, it's been shot in the breast, and it lost one of his legs, but not importantly, the leg with the message. It delivers the message, and it saves 194 lives, okay? The rats of the sky, as we like to call them, this hero pigeon, okay? The most unlikely of heroes. Secondly, I want to uh, show you one of the greatest advertising jobs ever. And I'm going to get Pat to help me here. Pat, can you read that out for me? Athlete's foot powder. Brilliant, okay. Now this I hold in my hand, and it's very rare that you get to hold pure genius in your hand. But this is pure, unadulterated genius, okay. If we actually stop and think about this for a second, athlete's foot is a disgusting uh, disease on a disgusting part of the body, your foot, okay. It's foot fungus, which I think is like related to mushrooms or something, I don't know, but it's, it's horrific, right. And yet somebody, some genius, came along and renamed it Athlete's foot, okay? That is a quite stunning PR advertising job. Imagine going up to the pharmacy and going, I want some of that foot fungus powder. You know, that doesn't quite have a good ring, but I could see myself doing it with a bit more, you know, wouldn't mind some of that athlete's foot powder you have there. Do you mean, you can kind of feel a little bit better about yourself. Not much better, but a little bit better. It is a truly stunning PR job, advertising job, um, and I, I just think that's, I just, I love that. Every time I see it, it, it makes me laugh, and what I, why I wanted to share that is because it's hard to distinguish sometimes truth from fiction. We live in a world where this horrible foot fungus disease, which is on your foot, which is already horrible, can be advertised and spun and made into something positive, or at least something slightly more positive, positive. and that rely, and that also uh, means good things can be so easily spun the wrong way. Horrible example, spun in a good way. And that's what it's like. And I just have written here uh, as well, thanks Pat for bringing this in, I hope you get better soon. 
okay? So, we've looked at a pigeon. We've looked at one of the greatest advertising jobs, as far as I'm concerned, in history. And third, we're going to look at an architect. Now, I know nothing about architecture, so don't worry about it too much. The name of the architect is Isaac Ware. He was born in London, 1704, and he died 1766, aged 62. His buildings still stand today, but he's mainly famous for an illustrated architecture book he did on the famous Italian architecture, Andreo Palladio, which, again, means nothing to me, but it might mean something to you. But what fascinates me about Isaac Ware is not his buildings that still stand today, not his books, which is what he's really famous for, but his childhood. He was a street urchin in a time in London where their death rate was incredibly high. He was a chimney sweep, which was the worst job you could have. They got little boys to go into chimneys because they were so small they could go into these tiny spaces. And they averaged out a death at about age 11, 12. And he was rescued at age 8 by the third Earl of Burlington who saw him drawing with charcoal. And he saw this artist and he noticed his natural talent and he rescued this Isaac Ware. He turns him into a nobleman. He gives him his full like, education and life. He travels the world and he gets to go to Italy and that's where he falls in love with this architecture and then writes this book. But this is the really interesting bit. When he died at age 62, on his deathbed, on his skin, were the soot and the ashes from five decades earlier, okay? That's how tough that job was as a chimney sweep. He carried, quite literally, his childhood with him. Five decades later, he'd had the noblest life from age eight, but he still couldn't get that suit and those ashes and that history of his childhood out of him. And that got me thinking about my childhood and what hangovers I have from my childhood and things that have lasted and I've carried. So anyone who's lived with me or knows me, knows that I love one thing probably above all, and that is ice, okay? I love ice. Uh, the house doesn't work if there's not a big bag, a kilo of ice at least, in the house. And what I was thinking about this is, why do I love ice? I grew up in Canada, and the stream beside us in summer, you'd pick over the rocks and you'd see salamanders, but in the winter, it would freeze over, and there'd be little holes, and where the water dripped through, you'd dip your hand in, and underneath, would be an icicle, okay? So fruit is often called uh, nature's candy. These icicles were kind of nature's ice lollies. And as a kid, you'd break one off, and I had ice. And to this day, I still love ice. I've carried my childhood through. Had another story, junior infants, or when I went to it in Canada, it was called kindergarten. I went to use the toilet once, and I put all the toilet paper down the toilet. I pressed, I pressed the, the, the flusher, and it flooded. And I still remember the room to this day. I was age four, I'm 29 now, and it flooded, and I just sat, I panicked, and I just got flooded, and I started bursting into tears, and somebody had to come in and rescue me. But I carried that through, and I devised an amazing plan for years after so that I would never get trapped in the toilet again. So what would happen is I'd use the toilet, I'd leave, I'd go and unlock the door, I'd run back, wash my hands, bam, hit the flusher, and then run. And I can proudly say I've never been trapped in a flooded toilet ever since, okay? But I carried that through into secondary school. That's how scarred I was by that memory. I remember the panic. I remember the fear. And I carried that through 
all the way through my childhood, okay? And it, just like your man Isaac Ware, he carried that all the way through his death. So that's what got me thinking. And I guess the same for all of us. And that's what I want to talk about now. We all carry our childhood with us. Some might, I was thinking this, might literally have scars. That time you came off a bike or a scooter or something or an, uh, uh, an accident. Uh, you might have delightful memories. You might have certain smells that you love that just when you smell them, it just reminds you of a great time. You might have certain smells that you detest. You might have fears. I have a friend, he was attacked by a dog at a very young age. And even to this day, a chihuahua would send him over the edge, you know? He just, he can't get rid of that. And we might have joys. So we've looked at a pigeon. We've looked at one of the greatest advertising jobs. We've looked at an architect who carried his childhood with him. And he leads us beautifully onto our last and final one. If you remember what I said at the start, we're going to talk about a baby. Baby Jesus. So we know that Christmas is the time where we celebrate Jesus' birth. But we so often forget what happens immediately after that. And I'm just going to read that for you. What happens immediately after Jesus' birth. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod, he was the king at the time, is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, that's the wise men, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its area who were two years old and under. Okay? Immediately after Jesus' birth, there was a murder, a hit put out on Jesus' life because he was a threat to the king. And we kind of often forget this at this time. We always love to think of Jesus as this lovely fuzzy baby that gets born in a stable. But immediately after he was born, he had to flee in the middle of the night. And he spent his first few years in Egypt. And I want us to imagine how terrifying that would be to have to get up in the middle of the night and flee. And I want us to imagine as a young family, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, what it would have been like every time the door knocked in those first few years. I imagine for Jesus, he would have been shoved away, hidden, because Mary and Joseph might not believe that they were still safe, okay? And I was thinking about this. Babies have an unbelievable way of picking up what their mother is feeling. And imagine the panic Mary might have felt every time a door knocked, the silence, the terror. And as Jesus grew up, he would have carried his childhood with him, as we all do. I was thinking, maybe he learned from that very early age a few words of Egyptian. Maybe there were sights and smells that rekindled his memory in later life as he walked down a market. Maybe, and I was thinking about this, when Jesus was a teenager, when his friends came knocking for him, like we used to do before WhatsApp, gently maybe he reminded them to shout in rather than knocking on the door to present, to, to uh, protect his mother's nerves. Because every knock she might have thought, just from that time, this was her baby son going to be murdered. So Jesus carried his childhood with him, as we all do. And I want us to take a minute or 30 seconds and just reflect on our childhood. As you sit here today, the scars, the delights, the joys, the disappointments, the smells. And this is where I'm going to finish, okay? If you're here today and you know Jesus, then I have a challenge for you. Reconnect. We're coming up to a period of rest, hopefully for everyone. 
reconnect over this Christmas period with the true humanity of Jesus. Just imagine what it was like for him growing up as that little kid. We so often try and sterilize Jesus and try and talk about him just this baby that's born, but don't forget, like that's the most visceral, most physical thing that can happen. Jesus was truly human. Spend time, spend precious time with him in this Christmas period, carve it out, and spend time with him uh, talking about your childhood, your dreams, your fears, your scars, your delights, your disappointments, and learn about his. Jesus understands us, and he knows us, and if you know him, just spend time with him. So there's a challenge for you if you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, then today is an invitation. Sherami, the pigeon right at the start, is an unlikely hero. She saved 194 lives, which is pretty impressive. And I hope next time you see a pigeon, you kind of think, oh, you know, maybe I haven't respected you as much as I could, okay? I haven't saved 194 lives. But Jesus is the greatest hero. We celebrate his birth now at Christmas. But at Easter time, we celebrate the fact that he died on the cross to rescue humanity, including every single person in this room. It can be difficult to distinguish truth from fiction, fact from unfact. Bad things like athlete's foot can be spun to look good. Let's not forget that athlete's foot is a disease of your foot that's already horrific and it's like a really horrible thing, okay? Bad things can be spun to look good and good things can be tarnished and ruined. And this has so often happened to Jesus. Jesus is good, but so often he has been misrepresented. Jesus is good, and I can say that with confidence. I know that to be true. I don't have to spin that. I don't have to advertise that. He is good. He is the ultimate hero, even more than Sherami, and even more unlikely. He is the ultimate truth, and Jesus is the ultimate human. Just like the architect Isaac Ware, just like me, just like you, Jesus carries his childhood with him. He is fully God and fully human. He understands better than anyone. He wants you to know him, to trust in him, to believe in him. This is an invitation today to know Jesus, to trust in him as your savior. And I'm just going to finish with the Bible because it says it a lot better than what I can say. So this is found in Hebrews. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, and that's us. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So that's where I'm going to leave it with you today. A challenge if you know Jesus, and an invitation if you don't to come and know him.